0: Hey everyone, good to be back with you. Thanks for stopping by. Things have been a little crazy here. This semester has been uh, a little rough. It's probably been one of the harder semesters that I've had. A couple of the classes I've had have been abbreviated classes. So essentially, usually you'd have a 14 to 15 week class or semester. And the issue we have right now is a couple of these classes that I have are abbreviated. So instead of meeting twice a week for an hour and 15 minutes per class, instead it's a seven-week class, so it's just doubled up. So you have seven weeks of class, four days a week, meeting an hour and 15 minutes every day. Well, it's a quick way to get through things, but you really have to work hard to get through those classes in that amount of time. Now, sure, you only have three classes at at any given time that way. However, it's still (laughs) about the same workload as if you're doing Four classes concurrently and uh, so since two of these classes are aviation related classes those two classes are requiring some uh, some substantial paperwork and some time investment which I'm trying my best to do but kind of needed a break just got done with a CAPSIM evaluation so what that was it's a simulation that tries to look and see how you do in regards to certain things so how how well you are organized how well you can lead how well you can initiate your communication uh things of that sort it it judges you on those the first time around i was in the 69th percentile which means i was above 69 percent of people so i was in the top essentially third or so of uh, of managers and um, one of the things i did poorly on which was kind of a surprise to me I thought organization would probably be something that was low. It was very high. But communication. I've always seen myself as being a pretty good communicator. But for some reason, there's something on there that uh, that it didn't like the first time around. It put me back in about the bottom third whenever I did that quiz the first time, the evaluation. So even though, for the most part, my score was high my communication skills on there according to that were very low that being said i went ahead and studied and tried my best to bring that communication part up which i did it came up like 80 it was close to like 70 points or uh 68 to 70 points something like that almost um you know it, it was brought into the high 80s i think an 89 percent is what i came up to but other ones went down so it just kind of shows you i guess you have a choice you can improve and focus on one thing and three other things can drop or you can have you know three out of five be decently high and have the other two be about average well i guess that's not too bad but i, I thought i was going to do you know not a hundreds across the board but i would have i would have you know i would have been satisfied with 85 to 90%ile across the board but maybe next time Anyway, a uh, couple things on my mind. wanted to jump on here and just, uh, you know, kind of put my thoughts down. Some people write down things on paper. Some people read books to kind of get away. And, and I, I enjoy talking through things. I have a lot of people I like to stay in communication with. And, and uh, you know, try and be friendly with some people that uh, are close to me. It's kind of interesting now that I'm the one guy who's, uh, who's still single here because I'm you know trying to do all these other things and not really focused uh, I guess on on the whole dating thing. Uh, one thing that's kind of bothered me about that is it seems to me that everybody who's married they've just moved on with their lives and I uh, I don't I don't understand that you know I I always and this is not a humble brag, this isn't bragging this is just how I feel uh, right or wrong. I've always felt that I was... I don't know. I always felt that that things would not change. You know, you might get married. You're gonna get married to somebody that you, you know, hopefully that you love and you're going to stay married to. I don't I don't ever plan to get divorced. I know nobody plans to get divorced, but I don't see divorce as an option. Maybe that's why I'm still not married, because I'm not just going to get married for the heck of it, and it's not gonna happen. But I never thought that I would lose friends, you know, over it. I never thought that I would go from spending a lot of time to people with people to never hearing from them. And, you know, this isn't, uh, guilt, anybody and, uh, you know, and, uh, getting back into, you know, relationship with me or anybody else, but I don't know, maybe people, you know, listen to this and kind of just think about things. And I guess with this semester being so crazy, it's just a little rough. So maybe that's why it's kind of hitting me a little bit hard, but, uh, you know, I'm noticing all these people that I, I really thought, you know, I was good friends with. I thought I was close with, I thought they knew me pretty well, you know. I, I had a lot of respect for them. I, I thought the you know the feeling was mutual and and I just look at how many people are just gone. They just disappear and I don't know what it is. I'm sure people have things going on, you know. I I once again, this is not to brag, but there is nobody I know that is more tired than I could be. I, I work ridiculous hours. I go to school, you know, I'm driving an hour and a half each way to go to church or an hour and 15 minutes each way to go to church because I'm not going to wear a mask. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm still doing the the duties that I was asked to do at the old congregation. I'm still trying to do that because I'm not going to renege on the promises I've made. That's not what I do. Um, But I have all these things that are required. I have these papers that are due the end of next week, and I'm trying to get them done. I really am. But you gotta sleep at some point, and um, you know maybe I could be working on them right now. But I, I tell you, whenever I get my mind on something, I just need to go through it. And so I wanted to talk to this about this rather. So I saw something here on Reddit, and I'm gonna try and pick some things out as I go. I didn't really highlight it. I didn't do anything like that, but. I can kind of relate to this person here. He says, hey, guys, I'm 22. I finished with college um, for a year, going into grad school in September, and I work a part-time job. He says he lives with his parents and a 25-year-old brother, and he said that's the end of his backstory. He says, I don't want to give you the whole this is my pathetic life thing, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I, I really need to talk to somebody about this, so I'll try and keep it simple. So, I don't live at home, so I'm not like this guy, I'm also not 22, Uh, I don't live with my parents anymore, Uh, but I can kind of understand this whole thing of, you know, of where he's coming from, so let's keep on going. I left college May of last year, and when I left, I had a lot of people, I guess, that I would consider friends, but not many of them have reached out to me. I guess it's just me, I don't know. For months, I messaged them first and sent them images and... I asked if they wanted to hang out sometime, and I asked what they were doing. They never responded unfavorably, but always politely. They're usually just too busy to hang out, so I stopped asking. It's the same with my family, my parents, my brother. I always have to initiate hugs and affection, conversations. I buy my parents and my brother things from the store I think that they would like. This guy goes above and beyond. He says I make them lunches and bake them their favorite foods. Man, (laughs) I need to find out who this guy is. He's a good guy. He says, "When I see that they're down, I talk to them. I ask them about their lives. I send a little texts throughout the day, asking how they are. Sending them emails and jokes and things of that sort. Like I said, they usually respond, but most of the time it's friendly and nothing beyond that. Nobody ever wants to actively talk with me or be with me. Nobody ever asks me to do anything. Nobody really, uh, you know, wants to touch me or be with me. Not really. It makes me think I'm really unpleasant. Maybe." He says, uh, he says, my brother goes out with his friends and I wish that he wanted to go see a movie sometime. I see my old friends hanging out with each other and my phone is silent or dead. Last text I got was from my brother asking if my dad wanted a bagel. <laughs> he says, I really want somebody to actually be there. I wish that there was somebody in my life who would want to make me tea and talk. I wish one of my friends would want to send me a message first and want to hang out. I wish there was someone who wanted to hug me. Man, I I feel bad for this guy because he he seems to be suffering from depression. Because he talks multiple times about physical touch that he feels lonely and I feel bad about this. He says, I feel like I'm putting out a lot of effort and I just don't want to anymore. I'm so tired of ingratiating myself on people who apparently can't stand me. And I just don't think I can do this. I really feel like a ghost is this something normal is my perception off do i just have unrealistic expectations of what a relationship should be like and i don't know what tldr means and that's a reddit thing i guess nobody ever initiates contact contact with me first i feel like they don't want me am i just not understanding how this stuff is supposed to work and i i really feel bad for this guy because like i said i i feel like he is suffering from some sort of depression i I'm not saying that's where I am, but I, I can relate uh, you know in, in a certain way it, it gets tiring when you feel like you have to do all the work, especially when you're doing all the work already you know. And here's something that's interesting. This is a reply and and I apologize for the for the brief pauses in between. i'm I'm reading this as I'm talking about it so it's not something that I did beforehand. It's just something I wanted to talk about. But this guy, XV323, says, This is not advice I would give normally, but I think you may need to put a bit of distance between yourself and people that you feel aren't reciprocating your attention. I think it would help you to not appear to be begging for attention. I'm not saying that that's what you're doing, far from it, but others may be getting that impression. Don't denigrate yourself into changing others' attention. If other people are blowing you off or disrespecting you, you're not uh, obliged to put up with them. The more decent among them will realize that they've <clears throat> messed up, I'll say, when they stop hearing from you as often. I would also suggest finding a new hobby or, or sort that involves other people. But you can enjoy alone as well, being alone as well, I guess. So it's, um, look at it as being an investment in your own well-being in more ways than one. And this guy said, yeah, it's sad, but this is true for a lot of uh, relationships or friendships that I used to have also. No one keeps in touch, and I think the problem is that um, quality people are hard to find. And I I don't think it's quality. I don't think that's the problem. I haven't had, you know, 90 or 100 friends. You see some of these people in high school that they were friends with 15, 20 people, and maybe it was because they were in sports and they knew a lot of people, but... I've never had a whole bunch of people that I just want to hang out with and spend time with. You know, I have my fraternity, I have my friends in, in you know, in college in my fraternity that I hang out with. We're a mixed fraternity in aviation, and we're all in, interested in aviation, so we have some common bonds there, and and I do get along with them pretty well. But it's kind of weird because I'm I'm the old man in that situation. You know, I'm I'm old enough, literally, I'm old enough to be their parent, and it's just kind of. It's fun. It's enjoyable, but it's not what I'm used to. It's not what I'm necessarily looking for. I need more than more than that. I'd like to have you know people around me I can relate with. I just don't understand it, and it's nobody in particular. I I just have a lot of a lot of people, uh, you know, I I was really close with, and and anymore I don't know. I, it almost makes me despise marriage because it seems like everybody who I used to be friends with. When they become married, gone, just, just gone, uh, like not, not even, hey, we'll we'll hang out sometime or we'll do things, no, it's just, they're gone. And I think the reason why this is a problem for me is because I grew up, spent a lot of time, like 12 years with the barbershop course. I'm spending time with men who are 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, all the way up into their 80s. Sometimes they'd be 90 and showing up to these events and they would do it weekly. We would show up, we would sing weekly, we would go out to eat, we'd have dinner at three ways in. And to me that was normal. Yeah, they're married, but they still have friends. They still do things they want to do. And maybe I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, a lot of the people that I know are newly married. I I guess maybe that's what it is. They're enamored by the person they're with and and this is going to sound mean to the people who I've, I've been in a relationship with or spent time with, but I've never felt that way. I might have had a friend somewhere along the way or a very close relationship, but I never felt like I wanted to give up everybody in my life and just be with them for the rest of my life. I've never felt that way. Maybe that's because I've never felt, you know, found that person I'm looking for, but I. I have trouble believing that everybody who got married, they're a hermit. I, I really have trouble believing that. Once again, maybe I need to be introspective. Seems like, uh, seems like maybe I'm the maybe I'm the issue here, and I'm not saying I'm not. It's just kind of weird. Anyway, uh, like I said, I'm not, uh, I'm not seeking any sort of uh, pity or anything like that. I just kind of, I saw his post there, this, uh, this person. And I, I felt bad for him. I really do. I, uh, I feel like he's, um, feel like he's suffering from a bit of depression and I, uh, it's an old post. This is from years and years ago, five years ago. And, uh, I kind of feel bad that, uh, <laughs> that he feels that way. Uh, let's look at this other response. It says, I know how you feel, I had quite a few relationships over the years where there was a point in time which I realized I, if I stopped making any effort, I'd no longer know that person at all. And Whenever I tested the theory, it turned out to be true. That said, there's this thing about me that I also discovered, which is that I tend to be attracted to moody, damaged introverts <laughs> to whom most people have to go, not just me. That helped me stop taking it personally. Well, that's a—I guess that's a way to look at it. He was friends with people who seem to be damaged, as he says, or or moody. He says, "I'm boiling down 20 years of experiences and introspection in detail, but the point is, I know how you feel, even though I don't think the above is necessarily what's going on in your particular case." Well, let's see if I can do this, and like I said, I'm trying to filter out the the words that aren't great. But he says, um. What I suspect is happening in your case is this. Now, this response is from uh, Of Threes. O-F-T-H-R-E-E-S. Of Threes. Well, that's a weird... Okay, it's a weird name. He says, College and then school in general is a bit of a unique social animal. You're drawn together due to proximity and share a daily routine, and oftentimes that's about it. The interactions feel like... Feel like friendships very often aren't they're merely hey we're both doing the same thing and we might as well talk and hang out and so forth it's when the paths diverge and that tends to be it for the most part sure sometimes true lifelong friendships are forged in school and perhaps some of your further former classmates achieve this goal but most of the time it's a proximity issue kind of like you'll discover this once you hit the workforce how many of the friends you and he has friends in quotation marks friends with coworkers, and then when one moves on to a new job, your friendship devolves into catching up over drinks once a month or every six months to nothing at all. Nothing at all other than accepted LinkedIn connections. You might spend every day for three years trading stories, having lunch, going out for drinks after work, and then poof. That's it. Sometimes real friendships are forged, but usually they're only a matter of proximity. In my 23 years in the workforce, I've only made one real friendship. And that one occurred two years after I left the company. You know, so that's a good point. A lot of times we work with people and we think that they're our friend and they're not. They're just being friendly. And there's a difference. You know, I think a friend would be willing to drop what they're doing to help you out if you have a problem or be there. There's someone you could rely on, someone you could depend upon. And I've learned that whenever you work places, you think that you have these friends, you think that you have these people who would go to bat for you. And then you realize after you move on, eh, they, they were just, you know, they were just being friendly. They they weren't there, you know, other than to just get a paycheck. And um, it's kind of sad. I, I think whenever you work somewhere, you should be passionate about what you do, or at least a little bit excited and interested in in the work that you're doing. It's not to say you're going to love it. There's a reason why they're paying you to be there. If it was pleasant, <laughs> they wouldn't have to hire people to do the job. But he says, try not to feel offended and left out and lonely as a result of old college pals not being as receptive as you'd like. It's very, very common. But as for your family, that sucks. It sucks that your parents and your brother don't initiate conversation and hanging out. And like I said, this isn't me saying this. This is what I'm reading. I'm, I'm not uh, accusing my family of this. It's just uh, what I'm reading. But he says... Uh, But from the parental perspective, we tend to assume our early 20s aged kids don't actually want to hang out with us that often, so we give them their space, assuming perhaps incorrectly that they have better things to do. And big brothers, well, my understanding is it's quite rare for them to want to hang out with their little sisters. They have their own lives to live. It's early and I'm not feeling particularly articulate just yet, but the point is, the advice you are given here to meet new people, explore new hobbies is sound. Try to meet people with whom you have legitimate commonalities rather than people whom you only whom you know only because you are forced whether by birth or education to share the space for a while and this is, I agree, it says by the way, your post made me extremely sad you sound so lonely and worse you you seem to think like you're doing something wrong and or that it's a failing on your part and I assure you, you aren't and it isn't, I wish you well, well I, I tell you what, I like that man, I, that, that hits me pretty hard. You know, that's, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what you, you get out of this is you think, well, you're doing things wrong. Once again, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag. I just think maybe I think three things a little bit more than other people do. Um, but it, it just, it seems weird. I don't know. I, I don't understand how people can just let things fall apart. You know, I, uh, like I said maybe maybe they've found a, a relationship that that is the all end all i've I've never found that I've never understood that um, you know I've had close friends that i I'd, I'd do literally I'd do anything for um, and i I do feel bad for this guy because that just doesn't seem healthy at all Anyway um <laughs> so let's get out of that because that's kind of uh, kind of um, a downer and that's not how I want to leave things. So let me give you a quick little uh, little snapshot of my life. Like I said, I've got two 12-page or 15-page papers that are due by the end of next week. I've gotten six pages of those done, six pages of one of those papers done. The funny thing is, it's supposed to be on human factors and aviation safety, meaning the paper is supposed to be about accidents that happened, how they happened, how they could be prevented, what could have been done that could have kept it from happening, things of that sort. So, what are the factors that are involved whenever human beings are put into the situation? Most of the time, for better or worse, aviation accidents do not occur. They They do not occur from uh, a specific mechanical failure. A mechanical failure could happen, but a lot of times it's not because the part was bad it's most of the time it's because the part was not maintained properly. It was not serviced properly. It was not inspected properly. So once again, this is a human error. Uh, also, you could have pilots who exacerbate the issue. So if you have a uh, a jack screw, for instance, which is what is used to control the pitch on, an, uh, on a T-tail. So a, an airplane like the MD-80, it has this tail that goes up, and it kind of looks like a... It's like a T. That's why they call it a T-tail, that the horizontal uh, plane of the tail, which is where the horizontal stabilizer, it's where the elevator is is held. That's what controls the nose of the plane up or down. It controls that balance on the wings, so it'll actually push down to raise the nose or vice versa. And what can happen on that or the rudder, if, if you are on some of these aircraft, if you're rough with them, you can actually exert enough force in flight that you can damage those items. And that's not a mechanical issue. Uh, if you are flying that aircraft, you should know the limitations of that plane. It's the pilot's job to know what he can and can't get away with. And if they stress that plane out you know more than what it's meant to bear, then you can't be upset whenever the thing breaks apart. That's the pilot's job. I say all that to say that I'm working on that paper, I've got six pages of it done, (laughs) and the six pages I did are on the Titanic, but there are so many mistakes that were made, and I'm not saying I'm going to get a perfect score on this paper, but I hope I do, because I tell you what, there's so much I'm learning just from that case, from the Titanic, so many things, and if you ever have time and you want to talk about this with me, I'd love to speak about it with you, But there are so many problems that existed with the Titanic. So many things along the way that, that happened that should never have happened that could have been remedied. And every single one of those people could have lived. Every single one if some of these things would have been different. They talk about a chain of events, that accidents happen because of a chain of events. And that chain of events could be, if you look at the Titanic the rivets that they used in the bow were were not the hardened steel rivets. They were a cast iron rivet with a lot of sl- uh, slag in it. Uh, those sheared off in the cold weather whenever it hit. That allowed water to come in. People left the portholes open whenever they looked out to see what was going on. They said that if you left 12 of those portholes open, that would have doubled the water coming in. So not only would you have the damage to the ship that had occurred, but whenever it got down to where those portholes were below the waterline, 12 windows was enough to be the same amount of water coming in to cause that much water to come in as the damage itself. So let's just say you had 48, you had four dozen. Now you have five times the water coming in that that happened originally. There's a good chance just with the portholes being closed that everybody could have made it off that ship. If the people working for Marconi doing the radio transmissions weren't doing that, they were paid to, to send radio transmissions to and from the passengers for money. If they would have been focused instead of on the ice, I know it wasn't their job, but it was part of it. If they would have been focused on the ice reports, that ship might have never hit that iceberg. They might have stopped for the night just like the California did. So there's all these things that happen. And we look at that now and we can see where the mistakes lie. I say that to say half of my paper so far is on the Titanic, but it, it all fits with human factors in safety. This is a ship related, it's a maritime related, but it, it's still a human factor. And I think it's something we can learn from and we can put this over in aviation. It's the same thing. If you stress that aircraft in a way that it's not supposed to be stressed, if you fly it and operate it in a way in which it was never designed to be flown or operated, these same things can occur. So I have a 12 page paper for law school and needs to be, or for aviation law needs to be started. Going to have to work on that pretty soon got about a four page summary for the next two chapters for aviation law. I got to do that. Got to do a 10 minute presentation on the paper that I haven't started yet. <sighs> got some homework. <laughs> I've got some work to do but but you know this it makes me feel a lot better coming and talking with you. Once again, it goes without saying that I haven't done this in a while, but I I wanted to kind of jump in here and just uh put down my thoughts and see how you guys are doing. You know, drop me a line. I I spoke about this, and it's not to guilt people into talking, but I'd love to hear from you. If you have time, give me a call, give me a ring, send me a text, shoot me an email. You know how to get a hold of me. If you don't, uh, just look me up on on the Facebook, Kevin Blaney, here in Fairmont, West Virginia. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to uh, talk to you in face, you know, uh, face to face, in person, whatever. So we have a lot going on, but I wanted to give you the good news before I go. I did get my first class physical. I am ready to start flying uh, immediately, so I'd venture to say hopefully in the next week or two I'm going to be getting in the plane and logging some actual flight time working towards my private pilot's license and towards a career in aviation, hopefully. So that is the goal. My student pilot uh, license is on its way. It was actually going to be delivered today, I believe, but I didn't answer the door. I was asleep, and I have to sign for this uh, license, I guess. So it's going to get interesting. So keep, uh, keep following me here. Follow me on uh, YouTube. I'll probably be starting a page there for my flight training. Uh, it's a nice way for me to document what I'm doing and learn from my mistakes. And maybe you can, uh, enjoy the the trip with me. So guys, thanks for stopping by. I, uh, like I said, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Hope you're doing well and y'all take care. Enjoy that weather out there and I'll see you next time.